to the glory of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. It is finished. These sound like words of resignation, an admittance of failure, the last words of a broken and defeated man. This was the aim of crucifixion, of course, that those who were nailed to crosses would be so overwhelmed by their suffering that no one who witnessed their agony would ever dream of following their example. Crucifixion, as the Romans practiced it, was a useful tool for social control that had psychological effects almost as powerful as the physical ones. In addition to the pain of a slow death, public humiliation and shame were a built-in feature so that anyone who might have been entertaining subversive or revolutionary ideas would see that such plans would only lead to a gruesome and quite painful end. Those sent to be crucified were cut off from the land of the living and the common family of humankind, stripped naked, left to die in public, where everyone could observe the consequences of their folly, but very much alone, disfigured to the extent that they could barely be considered human. The crucified were erased, annihilated from history. It is sensible, then, that those who were gathered at the foot of Jesus' cross expected to hear a concession speech, that as he breathed his last, he was giving up the fight, easing gently into the oblivion of an anonymous death. The cross was reserved for losers who lost. Jesus need not even admit defeat at this point. It's redundant. His mission is quite clearly finished. But our Lord was not waving a white flag of surrender. He was raising a victory banner. Despite all appearances to the contrary, all throughout the gospel, Jesus told his followers that there would be challenges to come, that he would face suffering and pain, that a bitter cup would be set before him that he alone could drain. Earlier in John's gospel, Jesus says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, and now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Jesus knows what must be accomplished and how. In order to bring his work to completion, to finish the mission, he must endure the cross. In the guise of the temple authorities and the Roman government, the powers of sin and death have put Jesus on trial and found him guilty, condemning him to die. This is the only way that they know how to deal with the Christ. He must be erased, wiped out, 
his mission of redemption and his dangerous proclamation of the gospel of grace must die with him. The world must remain in thrall to those shadowy powers that seek to render us incapable of choosing the truth, goodness, and beauty that God intends, and this must be done by any means necessary. If one man must die to be sure that things remain the way that they are, so be it. Yet this persecution is not a surprise to Jesus. He has anticipated this opposition and the opportunity that will be provided. He is willing to face the pain and the humiliation of the cross. He is willing to allow himself to be handed over so that you and I can live lives that are not determined by sin and death. It is finished. But Jesus was not a passive victim of the crucifixion. On the cross, he enters into a great battle in order to see his work through to completion. So he speaks not the last words of a man in agony, begging for his life, but the final sentence of judgment for the powers of the world that seek to corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. This is a shout of triumph, the exaltation of a champion breaking through the finish line, victorious over all opponents. What was intended to bring Jesus' life and work to nothing instead becomes the means by which Christ brings every kind of hopelessness into the very heart of God. Our fears and our losses The brokenness of our hearts and lives, spoken and unspoken, are all there on the cross too, gathered up by Christ in his suffering. So that he knows what it feels like to be in the dark places where you and I sometimes find ourselves. And he does not turn aside, but enters them with us. Christ even embraces the bitterness of death. He places himself like bait on the hook of the cross, and hell swallows him whole, only for that oldest of enemies to discover that death is not the end for Jesus. Instead, Christ's faithfulness through trial and humiliation and death mean that sin itself will be overthrown. And Jesus' faithfulness and endurance will be justified. His offering of himself will be accepted and glorified by God the Father. Now that doesn't mean that the suffering that Jesus experienced on the cross can be skipped past. That's why you and I are here. The Son of God, who was made man for us, suffered tremendously for our sake cut off from the land of the living, pierced for our transgressions, pushed out of the light of his Father's love to the dark and lonely cross. But it is in the darkness and the loneliness of the cross that we see the full measure of God's love revealed. The true and living God cannot be known directly. We cannot see God in the way that we can see our many false idols. God is seen only in the ways that God chooses 
to be seen. As he was seen in the burning bush and the cloudy pillar on the cross, we see God at work. And just as when we enter a dark room, our eyes eventually adjust to the lower level of light, as we stand faithfully in the darkness near the cross, gradually we come to see it more clearly. And what we see when we gaze into the yawning chasm of the crucifixion is not defeat, not desolation, but love. And love which is not primarily a feeling or just a word, but an action that requires demonstration. And God loves the whole fallen, sinful, broken world more than you and I might even be comfortable with. It is finished, and what is finished is the power of sin. The stranglehold that it has had over the whole human race is broken, and now, now the crucified one will be vindicated. The sacrifice that Jesus offered will be accepted. His suffering will have its intended effect. So we come together on this day to remind ourselves that we are not our own creation. That our souls have been bought with a price. Our lives made possible by the faithful offering of our Lord and Savior. And while we were yet unworthy, ignorant enemies of God, Jesus went in our place to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, so that his righteousness and his relationship with God the Father might be conveyed to us. Sin and death have been conquered on our behalf, and we have now been extended the opportunity to be delivered from their annihilating power. We are like prisoners, ransomed from our captivity and restored not just back to our old lives, but to new life, to life beyond our imagination, to a kind of goodness that we could not possibly have conceived otherwise. Hope and light and joy are offered to us because Christ was willing now and then to enter into the terrible darkness of the cross. And we know that in the darkest hours of his life and of ours, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. It is finished. Thanks be to God.